Please stand for a reading the Gospel of Luke. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gensaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them, were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out a little into the deep water. Let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have been working all night long. We've caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, They caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and they filled both boats and they, they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed to catch a fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So who likes surprises? Got some, so you, you do. You like surprises. That surprises me that there are so many people that like surprises. I guess it does depend a little bit on what the surprise is, doesn't it? Yeah. A few years ago, some Emory University and Baylor scientists did an experiment to find out what happens in our brains when we're surprised. They found some test subjects, or as they call them, research participants who literally didn't know what they were in for, hooked them up to all kinds of devices to measure their brain activity during the experiment. And then they would squirt either fruit juice or water into their mouths. Some folks knew what they were going to have sprayed at them each time, but others were in for a surprise. Each time they opened their mouth, those, those who were in surprise, each time they opened their mouth, they didn't know whether they were going to get water or juice. So when it turned out to be a sweet surprise, their brains lit up. But those who knew they were getting juice every time, their brains stayed the same. 
They found that folks get more pleasure out of nice surprises than they do if they know uh, that they are going to have this special treat. The scientists concluded that we may subconsciously desire the unpredictable experience over the experience that we know we like and are prepared for. So even if folks uh, say they don't like pleasant surprises, their brains do. But certainly there are surprises we don't like. Our lovely old building here has been throwing us a lot of surprises lately. Tuesday, we found chunks of rock scattered on the sidewalk which had fallen off of the bell tower. One piece the size of a watermelon fell from 87 feet. Our friends at Houks came out and, well, it's too soon to say, but it's a surprise that we could do without. Fortunately, they were able to remove some of the loose pieces, put up some netting so that someone passing by doesn't get an even worse surprise. As far as surprises go, building maintenance is a headache, but as of yet, isn't life-altering. We've all had those surprises, the ones after which we are forever changed. The test results from the doctor, the dreaded phone call, being in just the wrong place at the wrong time. There are events that drop in on us like a boulder from the sky. It caused time to stand still. Whatever we were doing in that moment takes on new shades, and whatever we had planned to do after that moment is dust, forgotten. Whether good or devastating, surprises interrupt our plans and cause the tectonic plates of our lives to shift, altering the very ground on which we stand making unfamiliar and frightening what was moments ago so reliable. However, we may long for the moments before our big surprise. We are where we are today because of a series of surprises. I, I don't know about you, but I don't wake up in the morning thinking, I hope something so unexpected happens to me today that it changes everything I had planned and what I fundamentally thought about myself and my relationships. But that's precisely what happens sometimes. And that's what happened to Peter, who went to work that evening one man, and by the next was utterly transformed. He goes by Simon through most of the text, but we get to know him in church history as Peter. When he saw what was coming at him, how his reliable life of catching fish and sometimes not of living his life his way was about to be totally overturned by Jesus, his response is actually witty and perfectly sensible for the man who wishes to carry on as he had been up to this point. When he really saw Jesus was changing his life, sinking his boats with the biggest haul of fish he'd ever seen, Simon Peter said, go away. But even as he pushed away, he was also collapsing into Jesus's lap because he knew in his heart that while this wasn't a surprise he asked for or wanted, that it wasn't convenient or even responsible for his family and employees. It was what he needed. Jesus stepped into his boat, asked him for a favor, 
and changed Peter from fisherman to disciple, to leader of the Church of Jesus Christ, remembered by fellow disciples 2,000 years later. Simon Peter wasn't the type to follow preachers. He didn't do crowds. He wasn't too much for religion. He didn't take to all those rules, nor did he care for religious people, the righteous, who took such pleasure in sacrificing birds and goats for every little sin, who spent so much time muttering prayers, worried about what some long-dead prophets said about their ancestors. He had a family to feed and no time for all of that. Peter saw the crowds gathering on the shore as he brought in his empty boat. It was a long night of fishing. He hadn't caught a thing again. If there were many more nights like this, he was going to be in trouble with the tax collectors and the three generations under his roof counting on him. How much more of this strain could he take? He felt like something was going to snap soon, like his old fraying nets, which couldn't take much more mending. He needs new ones. He needs to catch some fish. As Simon Peter cleaned the mud and the seaweed off his nets, got them ready for tomorrow's work, he rolled his eyes at the desperate masses pressing in on the town's newest miracle worker. Jesus, they called him. Simon Peter knew the man had some power. He'd recently healed his mother-in-law. But that wasn't anything that new. There were other healers. He had forgotten the crowds and their man of the hour in his weariness and eagerness to finish packing up. When suddenly his boat heaved and a soaking wet rabbi rolled aboard. Jesus explained. He couldn't preach with the crowd pushing in on him but from an anchored little fishing boat, he could get just enough distance from the mob that they could spread out on the beach and actually listen to him. He asked Peter if he'd push out a little further into the water. Peter grimaced, but he owed him one. The brothers, James and John, gave him a hand and a wicked smile at the thought that Simon Peter was going to be trapped on a boat with a rabbi. Peter pretended not to listen and went on cleaning while Jesus talked to the crowd about the scriptures. This crowd was unique. They gathered around Jesus, not seeking healing, but wanting to hear the word of God. There are two groups of people in this text. The desperate crowds who pressed in around Jesus to hear the word of God, and the fishermen who have work to do, or rather have work that they just finished doing, and have a bed or a bar waiting for them. They clearly are not in the scene to hear the word of God. One group, Jesus, one, one group, Jesus is in a literal sense trying to put some space between from the hungry, the sermon hungry crowd. And one group, Jesus is seeking out the tired, disappointed fishermen tidying up. It makes me wonder where Jesus would be in today's religious landscape. If Jesus shared the gospel and heals the crowds that seek him out, all the while he seeks out not those, those not among the crowds. Peter, Jesus is drawn to Peter, a self-proclaimed sinful man. Throughout the gospel, Jesus is around sinful people. Jesus is around folks who, who have not just been left out and excluded, but folks who have chosen the shadows and set up camps in the margins. 
Ballers and brawlers. Folks with rough hands and rougher language. Later, Jesus is accused by the righteous of being a glutton, a drunkard, a friend to sinners. One religious scholar suggests that Jesus wasn't just hanging around with people down on their luck. He was with the kind of people that parents warn their children to stay away from. When Peter tells Jesus he's a sinful man, he uses the Greek word that makes clear he's a man full of sin. Jesus hopped into Peter's boat, making the disgruntled fisherman a captive audience to his sermon that day. Jesus finished his preaching. Innocent as a dove, he instructs Peter, put out a little into the deeper water, let down your nets for a catch. Maybe there's a bit of sarcasm, anger in Peter's reply. Master, we've been working all night. We haven't caught anything. You've got to be kidding me. I want to go home. You're not kidding. If you say so, I will let down the nets. And so, he and his shipmates did, and the nets filled with fish. They were all amazed. They were surprised. This was the good kind. They scrambled and called to the other boat for help, but there were too many fish. Both boats began to sink. And while all the drama of nets bursting with fish unfolds, Amongst rocking boats and cursing, laughing sailors, a deeply intimate human drama is unfolding. Another surprise. Jesus is still seated among the chaos, and Peter doesn't help pull in the nets. Peter, the hardened fisherman, collapses into Jesus' lap. Go away from me, Lord, he says, or maybe sobs. For I am a sinful man. James and John had been his business partners for some time. This breakthrough is more surprising than the fish. Peter has been caught by Jesus. Out in the deep water on a sinking ship, caught in this moment of grace. The amazing surprise isn't the net full of fish. Who would remember that story? The surprise is the transformation of a fisherman to a disciple, of a sinner to saved, of feeling unworthy, undeserving, to being part of Jesus' mission of drawing the whole world into a net of love. God took on human flesh to be in moments like this, captive, as it were, with a suffering man, God comes to each of us with a surprising invitation to be transformed, renewed, redeemed, claimed, and sent out to share. Peter didn't know how much he needed Jesus. But also, what does this all mean? Peter pushes Jesus away even as he pulls him closer. It's the conflict of being in the presence of God and overcome by his invitation to relationship and the realization that, as the Apostle Paul said, everything old has passed away. See, everything is new. And I would add, and that's terrifying. 
But with Jesus showing up in our lives, promising forgiveness of our past sins, loving us with all of our faults, teaching and leading us into a more giving life, into more loving ways, shepherding us into a beloved community where we can be together before each other, fellowship divine. We are forever changed, surprised again and again by grace. So while life will continue to throw us curveballs, we stand on solid ground on God's unchanging love and promise of a future where all will be made new. Peter clings to Jesus and confesses his brokenness. And Jesus doesn't shame him in that moment. Jesus doesn't blame him. Neither does Jesus dispute or minimize Peter's past. He does what he does for all of us. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be Well, I I can't say it any better than Paul. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me has not been in vain. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.